Three weeks, ladies and gentlemen, in three short weeks. The NFL season is going to be over. In three short weeks, we're going to be free of Adam Gaze. In three short weeks, we will be seeing who's going to the playoffs and who's going home on downtown sports. I am the mouth of the South. John Schiavone, along with my co-host, the Beast of the East, Jonathan Periense. This is downtown sports. This is where sports come home. And in three short weeks, this NFL season is going to be over. No more top tens. No more four-piece combos. Very soon, we get to the end of things the end of 2020 the end of the covid 19 sports year beast one of our last top tens of the year oh as we go into the playoffs what, what do we got my friend well let's go through the top 10 want to thank our statistician and our researchers tony mainville and crystal large for providing this on the four piece combo always oh. a great job one more tiny thing you know mm-hmm. um about the top 10 list yeah, what about digital it? Digital market battles. Right, digital market battles, of course, of course. You got to go to digitalmarketbattles.com. You got to get your discovery call done. Make sure to get a hold of Nick Battle. That's the CEO. He's going to take care of you. I've known that guy personally for years. He's going to make sure you get everything you need. Digitalmarketbattles.com. Get your discovery call done today. Top 10. Let's right. go. Well, this is a very different top 10. This is actually... Uh, one of the more different top tens I've seen in a long time. Let's begin with the number 10 team on our list, and let's get the clock going now. The number 10 team is the Green Bay Packers. Well, well, well. First place, finally back. Chris has finally seen it fit. Well, I mean. The best team in the NFC on the bottom rung of the ladder. Okay, but. Well, look, Green Bay's Green Bay's team, we, we know what to expect out of Green Bay every week. They have a great offense, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, enough said. And again, took care of their business as they're supposed to, defeating the Lions. Packers are just trying to keep ascending to that position where they would normally be atop the NFC North. It's It's been the Packers' division for years. No one's been able to pose a challenge to Green Bay. Maybe Minnesota. Every once in a while, the Vikings would give you a little bit of a taste. And now, well... Surprising everybody, the Vikings have actually been playing pretty well as of recent, although uh, they're pretty much falling out of playoff contention too. The only team that's going to make the playoffs from the NFC North will probably be the Green Bay Packers. It's Chicago start of the year off looking pretty good, and then they fell completely flat on their face. The Lions are trash, we all know that. And the Vikings are besieged with a quarterback who just doesn't have a clutch gene. Well, just look what happened to them with Tampa Bay the other night. Just look what happened with them against Tampa Bay. Look how they came out. Enough said. Packers are winning an easy division. But their main goal is can they remain atop the NFC? Mm. They are right now the first seed in the NFC. Can they remain atop that? We'll find out. Yep. Number nine on our top ten, the Miami Dolphins. Well, Miami again, uh, despite losing. Miami showed you something against Kansas City this past Sunday. And look, normally a team that would have forced Mahomes to make three interceptions, you'd beat that quarterback. Yeah, not Pat. Pat Mahomes is Pat Mahomes. I mean, like. The Miami Dolphins give them credit and give Tua a lot of credit. They hung with the Chiefs from beginning to end of that game. They did not let the Chiefs run away with it, and they made them work to that victory at the very end. That Miami defense is who deserves credit. Brian Flores deserves credit. I'm not saying Tua doesn't. What I'm saying is that Miami defense did a masterful job on Pat Mahomes. And they but got unfortunately, absolutely none of that mattered because Pat Mahomes won the game anyway. It doesn't matter that he threw three picks. doesn't matter that he had the worst game that he had all season long. He has, it's still a he, W for the Chiefs. He has, he has such weapons at his disposal. Miami's only going to get better. That's the scary part. When Tua can really get going, you have Devon A. Parker, you have Miles Gaskin, you have Mike Gesicki. It's a great, great core. Miami yep. is one of these few teams this year that you're seeing learn how to win while winning. That would be the Miami Dolphins, the Cleveland Browns. Those are two teams right there 
that you are watching the learning curve and the learning process go on while they are winning football games. Absolutely. Number eight on our top ten, and boy, I did not expect to see this team here at eight. My how the mighty have fallen. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who were at one point the number one seed for weeks, then they dropped the two, and now they've uh, plummeted down to number eight. I think uh, I think you might be right, and Uncle Kenny might have been wrong. The cracks are beginning to show in Pittsburgh. Well, I was hearing, I was hearing the game on Monday night this past week, and again, the drop passes have continued to hurt this team. The, the Steelers have over thirty drops leading the NFL. This is what happens when your quarterback is a diva and drives all your skilled players away to other teams. What does this have to do with Big Ben being a diva? The receivers are not catching the ball. Yes, because the talented people that were around him left and ran away because they didn't want to deal with him anymore. Le'Veon Bell wanted out of Pittsburgh. Other people wanted out of Pittsburgh. You want to know why? Because they didn't want to deal with Big Ben. I thought Antonio Brown left because of his, uh, you know, because of uh, his mouth and his... uh, you know, uh, demanding yeah. I get the ball a little bit more. Yeah. That, that had nothing to do with that. Who was he pissed at? Who, who do you think he was pissed at? Yeah, but every every core, every great wide receiver is going to be upset at their quarterback to give me the football more if I'm not getting the ball enough. I mean. Then what's Le'Veon's excuse for wanting to leave Pittsburgh? Le'Veon is Le'Veon. He left the Jets. Well, he left, uh, the Jets left him, actually. Um, so. As bad as that whole situation was and uh, – you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll just throw a little bit of a couple of parting words at Adam Gates before we get off this segment because uh, I got some stuff to say about that. But we'll go later. Next yeah. team on the list. Right now, the Steelers they now they're in a must-win situation. They're eleven and two on the year. Kansas City's now the number one seed, and now you have to. They should be. Now they come into this coming week against the garbage Bengals. No Joe Burrow. Should be an easy win if you're Pittsburgh, right? But we don't that know. Is a track game if we playing. ever heard one. With the way Pittsburgh's been playing of late, I, uh, I would start to be very concerned if I'm the Roonies. I'd be very concerned if I'm Mike Tomlin right now. Look, let me tell you something. This Bengals game has to be a get-back game for the Steelers because they suffer their third loss in a row. By the way, the two, t- two, two of those losses to teams way below 500 at the time. The two losses by the Steelers were by the – well, the Washington football team, that was incredible. Below, yeah. Way below 500 at that but then point. Then the other loss was to Buffalo. But then last week they lost. No, what I'm saying is if they lose to Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Two then, of their – three losses in a row, two of the last three losses would be against teams way below 500. That's scary. So it's not even teams that Pittsburgh is supposed to lose to, like Kansas City, which they probably should have lost that game. Um, they are losing to teams that they are supposed to be taking behind the woodshed. And well, they're now, not. Uh, now all of a sudden, you know, the Steelers may not be that vulnerable team, may not be that invincible team that could beat Kansas City. But my team at number seven might be an exception to that rule. And yes, we just mentioned them briefly. The Cleveland Browns are number seven on the top ten. And yeah, they came up short Monday night against the Ravens. But I'll tell you something about Baker Mayfield today. I, I think maybe now Baker Mayfield put a lot of these uh, – Things that he can't beat bad, good teams to bed. He put the, really. He he made the Ravens work. He did he win? Far. No, he didn't win. But and they didn't get blown out. Stands. But they didn't get blown out like they He's did. The before. number one pick in the draft class that was supposed to be the glut of quarterbacks. Okay, you ever hear of quarterbacks take a little time to blossom before they uh, can finally lead their team? Mayfield showed you something. Lamar in- Jackson was drafted in the same year at the end of the same round that Baker Mayfield was drafted in. And Lamar Jackson played better. He had cramps at the end of the game and had to leave the game for a brief while, and he only came back because the other quarterback got hurt. Only because the other quarterback got hurt. Otherwise, you think Trey's and then. He won the game. But why did he ever have to leave with the cramps in the first place? If he could have stayed in, he could have just thrown the ball instead of run. Well, you know, Cleveland defense, they didn't want to hurt their quarterback. That's Cleveland's biggest problem. Until Cleveland gets their defense fixed, that's what's holding them back now. That's the clear thing that's holding them back. They're still playing the same type of undisciplined football they play under Greg Williams. So now now we're starting to learn that it's not just the scheme with the Browns. 
It's also the cast of characters on that defense. Guys like Garrett, guys like Jack. Great players, all the talent in the world. Discipline, though. They love to over-pursue. And while they get those highlight reel tackles, they also get those highlight reel uh, misses, those uh, miscues. Look, we learned, we've learned something about both teams. The Ravens, you never can count them out. As we know, every year, you, you never think that their season is over. You never think that they're not going to get in the playoffs because they find a way to get in every year. But I would, not, I would not laugh the Browns off as the team they used to be anymore. This Browns I'm team not, is really legit. I'm not, but uh, this Browns team is going to be going up against the very motivated Giants defense. Yeah. I'm very curious. Because... How, I'm curious to see how Baker Mayfield will bounce back from this. <laughs> Number six on our top ten. The Indianapolis Colts, second in the AFC South, second in the AFC wild card. Why are the Colts ahead of uh, – look, I know because they the beat Colts the Packers. Because the Colts keep winning. Because the Colts are a winning team. But they're not in first place, and they should not be ahead of the Packers on this list. Uh, but here's the thing. Penalties. Stop making them. I want to see one game from the Colts where they actually – don't give up an accepted penalty. Well, I'll be Teams very... Teams in the NFL do this all the time. When they give up one or less penalties. Well, if you put the penalties aside, the Colts, the Colts have a lot of weapons. If you put the penalties aside, the Colts would have three more wins. Yeah. That's the so, thing. That's the thing that frustrates you with them. They'd be an 11-win team right now, not Pittsburgh. Yeah. Well... Let's see what run the Colts have. Their schedule doesn't get much easier from here, and they're going to have to really prove it to the world. Uh, right now they're lined up to play Cleveland if this all matches up. You could see Cleveland take on them. It's a very, uh, it's a very interesting round we're going to see. But we got to keep moving to the next up on our 10, and actually it's the team right ahead, and we just talked about them, the Tennessee Titans, number five on our top 10. And like I said, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. Henry, Henry, Henry. Well, they took down the Jaguars. Uh, no wonder Henry ran for like 215 yards. Yeah. That's just, you know, normal stuff for him. Like I said, only way to stop Henry is to meet him outside of a parking lot with weaponry, hopefully get him in the knee before the game, and then maybe he'll only run for 100 yards on you. That's kind of how Derrick Henry works. <laughs> only for 100 yards. have running back like this since Emmett Smith. Yeah, well, Tennessee should have a – well, Tennessee will play the Lions next week, so maybe that, that should be another game. If they nice, easy win where Henry just goes for a nice jog for 200 yards. Next! Number four in our top ten, the Seattle Seahawks. Second in the NFC West, first in the NFC Wild Card. And Why are they number four? Because, uh, the well... the Packers are number ten. Okay, well... Does somebody maybe... see the discrepancy here? Not guess... first place in division... Fourth place. I guess our first place in entire conference. Tenth. I guess Chris likes to change it up every now and again, right? Make us what? think of something he we something different that maybe we don't know, right? Make us. Uh, okay. Yes, Chris likes to change it up. He likes to take uh, sense and just throw it out the window. I don't know because it, it, it seems to be out of place. Well, anyway, the Seahawks—they're number four on the top ten, and they're going to have. Uh, they, they took care of the. Terrible Jets blew them away forty to three. I'm hearing rumors that Gase ain't gone at the end of the year. Oh, I hope not. I'm hearing rumors that Gase isn't gone. I'm hearing rumors that he might stay. No, I, I, I can't. Gase to go, man. Gase I, I, I can't. No. He does, but but but. To go. You might be stuck with him, Johnny. No, no, no. Get 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 used to a long, no, long time. With uh, those crazy eyes looking over your football team. No. No. It's going to be great. No. Jamal Adams. Adam Gase might be a jet for life. Jamal Adams set the single season record for sacks by a defensive back in that very game. Obviously wanted to make a statement with the Jets being that he was there. But now Seattle's going to have an interesting matchup next week. The Washington football team. Suddenly, you know, they've come alive. They've taken over the NFC East. 
However, we don't know if Alex Smith is going to play this week. You might see uh, Haskins. He just injured the leg that almost had to get cut off. He had a calf strain. He has a calf strain. I don't think they're playing this week. I don't think uh, they took him out for the Alex rest Smith. of the game out of caution. They took him out for the rest of that last game. Out but of Haskins game. went in and actually played well. Well, you know, maybe sitting behind Alex Smith and watching a actual pro go to work could help someone like Haskins. We shall see. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. He sat for five years behind Brett Favre, one of the highest picks in the draft, very high valued quarterback when the Packers picked him. Sports sat for out. four to five years. Sports coming out, or there's still hope he'll play, but we'll see. Number three on our top ten, the Los Angeles Rams, number one in the NFC West. And Well, Jared Goff. Impressive win. I'm going to clap for the Rams. You blew New England away. You got they, your revenge on New England. They finally did what they're supposed to do. Stop you from scoring while controlling the tempo. Goff didn't even have to do much this game. No. When the Rams play well, Goff doesn't have to do a damn thing. Anything Goff does is like icing on a cake. Yeah. Now let's see if Goff can keep that going against, well, the uh, <coughs> Jets. <coughs> Goff. <coughs> well. It's in Los Angeles. I am going to say one thing. Mm. If there was ever a trap game, this is the Rams. This is it. This is it. Because Goff plays down to his competition. As we've seen every year. So... If we're going to follow the path of Jared Goff, this might be a close game. Mm. Maybe. Let's see. Oh, I really hope this isn't the game that makes people think, oh, Adam Gaze can still coach. It was the roster around him. I will never be. I'm not. I'm going to be nervous until. McVeigh, if you do not beat the Jets severely into the ground. You're saying that about As a New York, all of New York is asking and begging you, please. We need Gaze to have an 0-16 season, so there's no reason he is brought back. Please. I've heard rumors if he hits possibly two wins, he might stay. No, no. If Gaze even has any idea of what's good for him, he'll, he'll – He should just run. He'll just resign. Get on the nearest bus to Abu Dhabi and, and get away. I would hope. That Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, Robert Woods, Cam Akers, rookie running back, and I would think hopefully Brockers and Aaron Donald will uh, make that case to Adam Gase for all of us. I, I think they had better. Please, my God, please beat the Jets. I right. cannot take any more of this of these reports that I'm seeing these things on the Twitter. So I don't go on Twitter because I see upsetting things like Adam Gase might still be the coach. Moving to number two on our top ten, and very satisfying to see them in this spot. The Buffalo Bills are now number two on the top ten. Why aren't the Saints on this list? But that's another story for another well, day. Well, the Saints uh, decided to lay an egg against the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, that's true. Early. Ah, that's true. It's okay, though. The Eagles always do this weird random nonsense where they pull the NFC East out of nowhere. By the way, they're still in it. Yeah, they are. Well, let's talk about Buffalo for a brief moment. And Buffalo really yes. showed you something against Pittsburgh this past Sunday night. They showed you that Pittsburgh was not the team we thought they were. They showed you that Josh Allen is the number two quarterback in the AFC, not Big Ben. They showed you that their defense is pretty much tops in the league. They showed you that their offense is tops in the league. And you it know took what? While they had going, that's the crazy part. It took them till late in the first half to kind of get clicking on offense and. They had to finally just find a way. How are we going to attack Cam Hayward? Because he was running all over the Buffalo Bills and running all over Josh Allen early. But as all great teams are able to do, when you make an adjustment and you're able to attack the weakness of the Steelers' defense, which in this case was their secondary. No Bud Dupree for the rest of the year, and now you're starting to see how vulnerable his, the Steelers' back end of their defense is with him hurt. Now you saw Stephon Diggs rip apart the Steelers' defense just by himself. You know what quarterback uh, Josh Allen reminds me of? Who? He's another Buffalo quarterback. He was their starter from, I believe, 92 to about 98, 99. You're talking about Jim Kelly. Well, Jim Looks Kelly a lot play. like Jim Kelly. Plays a lot like Jim Kelly. Throws a lot like Jim Kelly.
he look, he did a lot of great things with Buffalo. Jim Kelly was one of those rare, rare talents Buffalo had for a long time. By the way, yes, by the way, I think Josh Allen might be better. Oh, he is. I think he, he might be actually be better. He's learned how to manage the game now. That takes, and that's the thing that takes a lot of time for quarterbacks to learn how to manage a game. And now you see him really be a pocket passer more than running the ball every single time, like he did his first couple of years. No, because he has Stefan Diggs to throw it to now. It helps when you got wideouts that know how to do their job. Yeah. Finally, the number one team on our top ten, and it's no surprise. And we're going to see how the Saints will will face with them, the Kansas City Chiefs. And, yeah, despite three picks, it seems like the only question you ask is, how do you beat Kansas City? Just how? You get Mahomes to throw three picks, you should win that game, right? And the Chiefs just keep coming. They just keep coming. I don't know how you beat Kansas City other than what the Raiders did, which was control clock and don't hold the football without scoring it. That's the key. Every offensive possession needs to turn into points against Kansas City because well, if you don't, yeah. they're going to score points on you. Miami had a missed field goal early. Nope. Early. Have that that. Following, and that was following on Mahomes' interception, I believe it was. That was following on Mahomes' pick, and they didn't score on that. Opportunities like that and special teams are generally what lose you games because if you miss field goals, you misplay a punt return – the other guy gets an extra five, six yards. That extra five, six yards could have been the difference between a field goal and a touchdown. That's the, that's the learning curve for any team that plays Kansas City. Until Patrick Mahomes, uh, just unless he epically screws up, uh, that's like an epically key word. How many picks did he throw? Through three picks. That's epically that's screwing up. Yeah. So well, even I'm- when Mahomes epically screws up, this team wins. And this team looks dominant while doing it. Was there ever a sense, even with Mahomes throwing three picks, that you ever thought the Chiefs were going to lose that game? No, I mean, look what happened to the Broncos the other week when they only had one touchdown for the whole game. I didn't think the Chiefs were going to lose that game. Not one bit watching that game. No. The Chiefs are now the new age Patriots. They're the new age of New England. The dynasty of Reed and Mahomes has come. Get used to it, everybody. Well... The question now is who will soon step up to the plate to one day challenge Patrick Mahomes? Well, they think Cliff, well, Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals think it's going to be them. Everybody thinks it's going to be them. But uh, let me tell you something. There'll be a few to come up, but there'll be none that can keep up. Mm. Unless Pat Mahomes suffers devastating injuries, he will be known as the best quarterback to ever lace up a pair of cleats. The end. Back after this. And we're back to Downtown Sports. I'm Jonathan Perriente, the Beast of the East, along with my co-host, the Mouth of the South, John Schiavone. We have some business to take care of. We have 12 different platforms where our listeners can hear us. And Mouth, what are those 12? Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. CastBox, PodBay, Listen Notes, and Bullhorns. 12 different platforms, rants, interviews, episodes, top tens. Whatever you need, because we're downtown sports and we are sports. Come home. Let's go to our four-piece combo. That wraps up our top ten. Mm. By the way, the honorable mention we have uh, before we dive into that was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A uh, big win, now second in the NFC South, and they're their second wild card now. Back in the playoff picture. Small concern, uh, Ronald Jones fractured his pinky finger this past week. Oh, that's why they weren't running him? They ran him. His widow pinky was hurting. That's why they didn't want to make us the team. He played through the injury. He played through an injury. He played through the injury. That's why they handed them the ball, right? He had a pin. He he, he got a pin inserted into his finger. It should not keep him out. You're not going to see his season come to end, but. How many touches will he have? They did not play Logan Fournette, Leonard Fournette, excuse me. They didn't play him because of a healthy scratch. They didn't, they didn't bother to play him. So. Yeah. Toronto They're like, nah, he's not going to take any more touchdowns away from you, John. Don't worry. Nope. Tell Leonard Fournette's not going to take those goal line touchdowns away from you and your fantasy team. Well, I got to see what I'm going to do with Art with Rojo by next week, this coming week. I have to see what I'll do. But the Buccaneers, 
they got themselves back in it. They're eight and five. And now the question will be, can they keep the momentum going when they take on Atlanta? They're going to play the Falcons. It's not as easy. You know what I love? I love how Bruce Arians says, we're right where I thought we would be at this point in the season, and we found our identity. Did they find their identity? Did they? The answer is no. The, the only identity they found was they ID'd an older quarterback whose skills are starting to diminish. Now, by the way, this is not to say that Tom Brady's a bad quarterback. He's just, you know, now he's more middle-of-the-road, sort of like he's not a top-10 quarterback in the league anymore sort of deal. But if you're going to have somebody that's a game manager at this point in their career uh, – why not have the game manager that was once the best quarterback in the history of the game? That's who Brady is at this point. He is the best to ever do it. Buccaneers have a pretty favorable schedule to end the year. I could see this team with 11 wins by the end of the year. If everything goes right, they should be 11 and five. Not going to be. You don't see them losing another game. I don't think so. You're playing the, you're playing Atlanta this week. That should be a game they should win. You're playing the Lions next week. That's a game the Bucs should, should win. I'm curious, though, to see can they lock it up at 11 wins. And maybe could they – now the Saints have now lost. Now the Saints are 10-3. and three. Remember that now. Saints are ele- – uh, yeah, 10-3 and three, the Saints. Suddenly the Chiefs are coming up now. No Drew Brees yet in the lineup. Suddenly the Saints lose that game. Now the Bucs are within striking distance. It's not over yet. Can we see the Bucs maybe steal the NFC South? I don't maybe? know. I don't know. I think they're too far behind the eight ball, and I think Drew Brees is going to come back too soon. But, but as I said, the Bucs' schedule is very favorable. I think they're also going to end the year with Carolina. So that should be – That's, that's not a game right to walk – That's not going to be an easy game. No. But Carolina is not going to make it easy. Carolina, you can score on them. But, yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, now we move into our four-piece combo. Oh, good. And this is good. going to be I'm starving, John. <laughs> Johnny, I yeah. swear to God, I, I am freaking starving, man. I, I, I've been waiting for this. Well, I, need, I need a game. I, I need something sweet to start off, give, man. Let me give you this. All right, so let's give you the sweet. Uh, the sweet that apple pie. The apple pie. All right. We'll start <laughs> at the very bottom since I think that's the good salvation game. All right. Cardinals. Eagles. Ooh. Interesting. Cardinals and Eagles. The Cardinals are going to win this game, but... Ooh. Uh, Jalen Hurts showed you something. Uh, Jalen Hurts can run the ball just like Kyler Murray can from what we saw. I mean, I would not... I would not, not Just like Kyler Murray. I mean, I'm not... I'm not going to... Look, I don't think the Eagles are going to beat the Cardinals, especially considering that Murray looks healthier than he's looked in the past few weeks, you know? More running the ball again, getting uh, from going from side to side. Behind so last the, week, the Cardinals were not able to win. The Cardinals were struggling for weeks until they finally beat the Giants. Well, because now people are saying, Kenny Albert even said it during the game. This is the healthiest Kyler Murray's looked in weeks. So I'm not going to give this game to the I – don't, I don't think the Eagles are going to win this game. All right, we'll see what happens. 26-6. Cardinals. I'm going to go – Control time of possession. I'm going to go a little higher than that. Uh, I think the Eagles will give them a little fight, but it won't be enough. I'd say Cardinals win 30-14. to You'll see a couple touchdowns by the Eagles. Okay, next game on our list. Uh, Well, Patriots-Dolphins. Patriots and the Dolphins. Oh, my goodness. You know what? Flores knows Belichick. Dolphins have always given the Patriots hell. They've and years. now Flores knows Belichick. This would be the – I believe this would be the first time the Patriots see 2-0. Yes, it is the first time. So, uh, this would be Can the first time the two Belichick. Can this be the nail in the coffin where New England will not make the playoffs this year? Yeah, that's exactly what this is going to be. Game, game over, season over, New England finished – 34 to 17. Wow. Okay. Okay. Tua is going to shred that New England defense apart. 
I and like Pam it. ain't gonna have a damn thing to say about I it. I would love to see Tua do it. I, I think it'll be. I think. I think. I think that might be your uh, little uh, Christmas present there from the Miami Dolphins to you. Miami will win this game, no doubt in my mind. Uh, I'm gonna say it'll be a little bit more of a closer game, thirty to twenty. Miami will. Yeah, Patriots are gonna have that fighting spirit. They won't go down that easy. We'll see what happens though. But I like the I like the Miami, Miami Dolphins' chances. Next team on our next team on our four piece. This is going. We're now getting into the the entree of the of the dinner. This is mm. going to get really important. Yes. The Chiefs and the Saints. Ooh, there we go. There's that. There's that two piece leg and thigh. If I had said Drew, if Drew Brees was playing in this game right now, I would have said this is a classic matchup. It still Unfortunately, is. Unfortunately, it's Taysom Hill. Unless Drew Brees magically is healthy and decides I uh, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Let me say this though. I remember when Spags was my defensive coordinator. Okay. Teams with attacks like the Saints under Taysom Hill were never Spags' forte. You're not going to be able to quarterback blitz Taysom Hill into submission. He's going to run out of that. He's shown that he has enough of an arm to get the ball down the field when you actually make him have to throw it. And the Saints' defense is good. That defense is very, very good. Well, I will This is going to be a close game. Look, both teams are going to possess the ball equally. I think both defenses are going to do a decent job on the other offense. This is going to be a game that depends on which team can grind out more points at the end. I still would say, and uh, Brees is using this as motivation to want to come back. Now, he hasn't ruled out the impossibility. Would he try to play? He might. I mean, look, I, unless we're going to know more about Brees and, and where he is in his recovery sometime. We'll know more by Friday. By Friday, you're going to find out if he's playing this game or not. But Do you think Brees plays? Do you think Brees is going to play? I think he may. But I also think you're going to see Taysom Hill in there as well. Maybe you see Taysom Hill go in there for a series or two, give Breeze a breather, give the Kansas City defense a different look. Look, I think the Saints and Peyton are going to playbook their way through this game, but the problem is they're just not going to win because the Chiefs are too good. 21-14. Wow. This is going to be a very close game. You're going to see a lot of field goals scored getting us to this point. This is not going to be – touchdown, a couple of touchdowns and a bunch of defensive stops. You're going to see a lot of bend but don't break, a lot of trying to kick the field goal. I think uh, a couple of missed field goals here and there are going to be what decided. This is going to be a very grinded out type of matchup, but this is the type of matchup that the Chiefs were built for. You have six, so you have the Chiefs winning this game. You have Kansas City winning. 21-14. Kansas City. Okay. I'm going to say Kansas City wins this game. Uh, I just don't see how you stop this Chiefs offense. I the Saints have one of the best defenses in the league. Yes, the number one in the league. But you're playing Patrick Mahomes. You are playing a quarterback that can dissect any defense. You just give Mahomes even a sliver of time, and that's all he needs. You give Tyreek Hill a slight space, that's all he needs. You open up space for Kelsey if you cover Hill. You open up space for Hill if you cover Kelsey. You open up space for... Clyde Edwards Hilaire, if you cover them. There's and that's no where New Orleans – but by the way, that's where New Orleans, I think, is going to have success is when they make it that Mahomes and Hilaire have to beat you, not Tyreek, not all the other cast of characters, not a Le'Veon Bell on the bench. No, no, no. If it's Edwards Hilaire and Pat Mahomes doing the bulk of the work on the offense, then New Orleans has got a shot. But I'm going to say the Kansas City Chiefs win this game. 26-23. It's going to be a close game. It'll come down to a field goal. You're giving, you're giving the Saints a lot more credit on offense than I'm doing. I think the Saints can score. I think if Breeze is playing, and I, I'm, I'm assuming Breeze is going to play. If Breeze plays, my, I actually change my pick if Breeze really If Breeze plays. Play. But I don't think he will. That's why I stick 21-14. I don't think the Saints right. are scoring more than 14 right. points. All right. It's a fair point. I think it's fair. All but right. Our, you said 26-23, so we're logging that down in the uh, – Yes, 26-23. The final matchup now. This is the fourth and last one. We've, we're kind of stuck between two of them, but I think we need to go with the uh, 
the primetime game in this. Giants-Browns. Giants season possibly on the line. Cleveland. You know, Cleveland doesn't need this game as much as the Giants do. I don't think it matters either way if the Giants win or lose this game because of the performance yeah, of the Washington, Washington football, football team. team. I mean, Ooh. the Giants have the edge on Washington at this point if they were tied. If they were tied, but, but right now we're a game behind and we don't know who our starter is. The Giants, though, have the advantage of beating Seattle. Washington's going to have to prove they can beat Seattle. I don't know who my team's starter is right now. If I'm the Giants, I don't know who my team starter is. I don't know if it's Colt McCoy. I don't know if it's Daniel Jones. I don't know if it's some guy off the street we found in, uh, in Central Park feeding the birds. I have no idea. Who is our quarterback? Well, right now I'm not seeing any uh, significant sign that Jones will, could be out this week. I haven't, they haven't said injury is really bad. We, we he was know. limping on that field in the fourth quarter. There was no reason – Daniel Jones was out there. He couldn't even defend himself, John. Yeah, well, and now you have some of the Giants. Uh, I just found this piece here, and I think it's very, uh, it's very interesting. Okay. According to uh, the New York Post here. I know it's the New York Post, but. Uh, it's okay. Mr. Dave Guglielmo. I think you know who Dave Guglielmo is, right? Offensive line coach for the Giants. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. He's kind of now been taking the brunt of, well, why is Daniel Jones not getting protection? <clears throat> you know, it doesn't help when your offensive line cannot block for your quarterback. It doesn't help when Hassan Reddick could sack you five times and where was the o-line protection to stop him from sacking Daniel? oh, oh you mean anthony thomas i don't know he was somewhere big, he was he, he was on the field but he wasn't he was that big uh that big draft pick of theirs the giants yeah right? yeah you know first round draft pick yeah I mean, he was supposed to be the guy to protect Daniel. yeah he protected he protected people all right he protected himself a pair, i don't know what he he didn't protect the quarterback that that's not who he protected by the way, the Browns are going to win this game. You think the Browns win this game? All right. Because, once again, I still don't know who my quarterback is. I don't know if it's going to be Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy. And now, thanks to them running Daniel Jones out there like that in that condition against the Arizona Cardinals, that leads me to believe that I'm not necessarily trusting 100% the coaching staff's decision-making ability when it comes to Daniel Jones' readiness to start. So... Also, by the way, if you think they actually really cared about Daniel Jones as their franchise quarterback, would he have been out there in that fourth quarter, John? Yes or no? Game was over when it was twenty. When it was twenty to seven. All I'm saying. All I'm saying. The Giants are not treating Daniel Jones like a franchise quarterback. So, if the intention was to not treat Daniel Jones like a franchise quarterback, and he's possibly out of here, why did you try to go win games and go win the NFC East? Why didn't you try to get, get one of the top three prizes in this year's tankathon? That's something I would have asked. Could have asked Joe Judge. Could have tanked if, if the Giants. I, that's what I would have asked Dave Gettleman. Yes, but Dave, you know what? I, we shouldn't be asking him those questions because uh, the he's not the Gase isn't the only person that needs to be fired in New York. That uh, Gettleman needs to be on the next bus out of here with Gase. You know, maybe they could talk to each other and trade stories. Oh my goodness! Well. We're going to see where everything goes. We're three weeks away from the end of the football season. Week 15 three weeks. is on us. Three oh, weeks. Oh, three weeks. In three weeks, we might be a couple of weeks away from the beginning of the Major League Baseball season. But wait, owners and players are fighting. Things have hit a snag once again. Again. Again, during a pandemic, we're going to talk a little bit. Players more. and owners are bitching about start times. Where's baseball? Heading? We'll have baseball's clown show round two coming up. Back after this. And we're back to downtown sports in the mouth of the South. John Schiavone, along with my co-host, the Beast of the East, Jonathan Periente. We do have a little baseball to talk before we do any of that we have some administrative work to do beast yes where can they hear us we're on 12 different platforms we're on anchor 
Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Bullhorn, Podbay, and Listen Notes. 12 different platforms. Tuesday, Wednesday, Rants Live episodes every single week. You do not want to miss out because we are downtown sports and we are where sports come home. And you know what? Three weeks was the title of this episode. That was how I let it off. That's how we're going to keep on going. In three weeks, we're going to see what the New York baseball teams are going to look like. In three weeks, we're going to find out if DJ LeMahieu remains a Yankee or has a brand new home in Queens, you know, sitting in some flushing, drinking some uh, bubble tea, having those tapioca balls, you know. Well, you might have been hearing he wants to go to the Mets. I'm hearing all signs are pointing at he wants to stay a Yankee. Oh, no, he wants to stay a Yankee, but unfortunately the Yankees might not want him to stay a Yankee for the price that DJ wants. Well, if the Yankees are going to do the right thing, and if they're going to do the right thing, you better pay the man what he wants. If they don't sign DJ LeMayu, Brian Cashman should be on that bus with Gase and Gettleman. Well, I can tell you Cashman's done a lot of things that I'm not proud of. Um, yes, he's made some great additions. I will not lie about it. But when it comes to the pitching staff, getting guys that have come off Tommy John surgeries that are only just a, a bad throw away from blowing their arm out again. And by the way, by the way, by the way, by the way, making sure to let everybody know that they are not involved with Trevor Bauer coming out saying that they're not going to be pursuing him. I've not seen the Yankees be this non-committal to free agents before. How about this frugal? Not spending the money where it counts. Well, the Yankees. All of a sudden, Moneyball and analytics and numbers are dancing in people's heads. Soon, we're going to see uh, Brian Cash take chances on players that haven't really played that position before. But you know, the bat's good. We're going to start to see moves like that. Remember where you heard that before, John? From a from a guy named Sandy when he was uh, the general manager of the uh, Fred Wilpon owned Mets. But we're in a brand new world here in New York. Well, the Mets now are upgrading their crew. They got a new GM, new owner, has a new vision of where he wants this team to head. By and the way, tell it. them, hold on, hold on. So the Mets, I believe, got not just one, but two, but three hot stove prizes. Yes. Three hot stove prizes. And Beast, you're going to tell us exactly who they are. Who is the Mets' new general manager, John? A longtime veteran of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Jerry Porter. Very, Jared Porter, very respected man in the business. Everybody ranting and raving how great he is. Guy knows talent, guy can develop players. I think the Mets really got themselves a, I think they got themselves a very, very solid winner here with Mr. Jared Porter. And, where, and what he will bring to the Mets more importantly, what he will bring to the peace of mind of owner Steve Cohen. Cohen is not going to get involved in Porter's business. He's going to let Porter get his guys. He's going to let Porter develop the team his way. For the Mets, that's all you want. You don't want the owner getting in your business anymore. Not the owner getting rid of anything. And... And wait, 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 but that's not all we did. That's no, all we did. All. Usually, now, Met fans, I understand, usually when we talk about a hot stove update, it's uh, they signed somebody to a minor league contract. That happened too, but that's not the big announcement. We're going to leave Jeremy Blevins' minor league contract alone because that's not a big deal. Let's talk about the real upgrade they made to their bullpen, poaching him from the Cleveland baseball team. Tell us about our new bullpen piece, John. Uh, yes. <laughs> if you are a, if you are a Mets bot, man, you got Trevor May to boost up your bullpen. A good, solid right-handed arm. Guy that can throw mid-90s. We came from Minnesota, not from Cleveland, but an arm is an arm. An arm is an arm. The Mets need help in that bullpen. Someone that could set up for the closer. Who the closer is going to be? Is it going to be Edwin Diaz? Is it going to be Jerry's Familia? Whoever it might is be. Is it going to be May? You never know. Yeah. But, 
They need somebody to throw it to. They need somebody who's behind the plate to throw that ball to. And they found that person, John. Tell the audience who it is. James McCann, the newest addition to the Mets behind the plate. And boy, is this man coming off a great year. 30 years old, he agrees to a four-year deal, $40.6 million. And he was coming off one of his, really coming off an all-star season. With the Chicago White Sox, he was hitting 273. Oh, sorry, I'm reading the I'm reading this. Tw- I'm reading his 2018 numbers, and that was good. That was good what he did in 2018. But it's what McCann did this past year, even in a shortened. I six- believe he hit something like 289, something like seven home runs. He hit 289. Yes, 289. Yeah, it was seven home runs. It wasn't blow me away. But the following year, he hit 273 and hit 18 home runs and 60 RBIs. So things began to develop for McCann. I think it's only getting better. I just got one thing to say. And I got the biggest smile on my face as I say this. Because usually most teams would hate hearing stuff like this. But the Mets overpaid for McCann. I am grabbing my heart. And like hugging myself, like giving myself like a bit of love for sticking with this team for so long. You hear me pat myself on the shoulder because here's the thing. They overpaid for someone. Four years, three million? I never thought. Overpaid? In the history of Mets fandom that we would ever see them overpay for a player. Anyone. At all. Well, except Bobby Bonilla. Man, they they're still paying his contract to after all these years. Well, like I said, I, I have plans for, uh, I'm going to call it Bonilla and Cano um, goodbye day. I, I'm going to write, you know, Mr. Cohen. I'm going to give my plans. I'm going to see if uh, they come to fruition. I, I really hope they do. Where we have them both get a gigantic check and then the whole crowd boos until they leave. <laughs> That'll be the event. Hand them the check, and then the whole crowd boos and starts throwing things at them until they leave the stadium forever. That There you go. But they overpaid. I can't believe they overpaid. And I'm actually happy because this shows you they're willing to do what it takes to get better for the first time in years. Well, let me tell you this now. If, you're, if you thought four years, 40 million was overpaying, what could happen? How much do you think they're going to pay if uh, they get Springer or Trevor Bauer? How much money do you think the Mets will spend for them? I can't wait to find out because they're both going to be a part of this team. Seriously, everybody who's saying they're only going to be able to get one, either Springer or Bauer, both will be Mets in the spring. I promise you. Well, I will. But wait, hold on. You said spring. I said spring, though, right? Yes, spring. You know when baseball's supposed to start? Mm-hmm. But supposedly that's not going to happen. No, possibly no. We're reading uh, this piece. Very interesting. The players want the season to begin on time, 162 games. Now the owners. They have a different plan. They want the players to get vaccinated for COVID-19. Now, understandably, with everything going on in the world, I know mm-hmm. baseball was coming off a was not coming off the season they wanted. 40, 60 games, no fans in the stands up until the end of the playoffs. And now baseball is kind of at a very big crossroad here. A very big crossroads. What do you do going forward from here on? I vaccinate the players and start the season once 70% of uh, my workforce was vaccinated. But if the players feel, well, I don't want to get vaccinated. Uh, you know, we just had a, you know, okay. If you, if you then take- don't get paid millions of dollars to play a children's game. I understand if you work for whatever rando company and you make like $15 an hour, I don't want to take this vaccine. You can't force me to take this vaccine. That argument works when you're making pennies. That argument doesn't work when you're 20-something years old and you're getting paid 
even the league minimum for a major league baseball player is somewhere in the neighborhood of $250,000. When you work in the corporate world, it's either you follow the rules or what happens? You lose your job. So here's the deal. I don't mind if uh, players don't want to get vaccinated. That's great. You can go find a different league to play in. Not, not, not this one in America in Major League Baseball where we're trying to keep our players safe and trying to stop a pandemic and have a second successful season during the COVID-19 era in sports. So if uh, you don't think that you should wait to get vaccinated before you go into a situation where you're in locker rooms, close proximity, team showers has anybody thought of that maybe these players uh forgot how covid spreads um you know they weren't they haven't been dealing with covid restrictions so much anymore they haven't had to uh test weekly or anything like that or worry about social day maybe they uh decided that after the season was over that covid wasn't a big deal to them anymore i don't know but whatever the reasoning is baseball that does not need to start before everyone is vaccinated Well, the plan right now, if if everything was to go according to plan, the baseball season would start April 1st. It would end on October 3rd. We would have the All-Star Game on July 13th. The World Series would start on October 26th, would bleed into November for Game 7, if it starts on time. The Yankees are already preparing as if the season will start on time, per Aaron Boone. Okay, fine. The problem then you have around the league is, again, you have managers in Zoom calls. They're talking about how 2021 is going to go around, how spring training is going to happen. Right now, until we know a mandate, and right now, look, the vaccine technically will not be available to everyone till the middle of the year. Yeah. Unless you, you are a frontline worker or a police officer, or a transit, or somebody that has to serve the public in an official capacity. Generally, you'd have to be working for a city, a state, a municipality, a hospital. Those are the people that are going to get vaccinated first. Then they're going to give it to elderly populations in nursing homes, people over 65 years old who are susceptible to dying of COVID-19. They're going to be giving it to those people first. So then the next question becomes, how is baseball going to get a hold of all of these vaccines to inoculate their players against coronavirus? The other plan, and this is what, uh, this is from yesterday, according to Major League Baseball Trade Rumors.com. They want to possibly delay the season until at least May. You see that? Baseball starting in May. It would be less than 162 games. You're going to probably be shaving off about 30 games off your schedule right there. You know what? I'd shave – you know what? If you could wait till May, shave 30 games off the schedule to give enough time for your players and possibly your fans to get vaccinated so that you could have open stadiums where people could come and enjoy the game if they've been vaccinated, like – you know, th- there's ways that we could do this and bring fans back and bring people back into the stand. If you wait just a little bit longer, we could get this done and do this right. And then the players don't have to worry about wearing a mask. They could go to the club. They could do whatever they want now, because they will be inoculated. They will be no. vaccinated. Yeah, I mean, look, Major League NBA, they're already going to do – 10 less games this year. They're going to start – NBA starting next week. Yep. NBA's going to start next week. We're used to them starting in late October, early November, guys. I can already tell you the Raptors are going to be one of the first teams to allow fans in the stands. They're going to play in Florida this year. In Tampa. Amelie Arena in Tampa Bay. So they're going to use the Lightning Arena to play their games. Yeah, they're going to allow 3,800 people into the arena. No courtside seats, no first-level seat. Everybody would be in the upper deck or above. Fine. I'm okay with that, as long as they're socially distant. I don't think there should be any fans in an indoor arena at all. Like, I understand maybe baseball and football, they're outside arenas. You are outside. There is plenty of open air swirling around you. I don't trust air filtration systems inside of a domed stadium thing that's an indoor arena to protect the air. from. I just don't. Well, the NBA is going to play 72 games this year. They've already agreed to it. Hockey. Yep. We just talked to Kenny Albert a week ago with hockey. 
They're going to play 52 to 56 games, and you're not going to see the Canadian teams playing in the United States turf. They're going to be playing Canada teams only. They're going to play Canada division. Yep. And the United States teams will play in the United States. Okay, but hockey agreed to it. Yeah. Here's the thing. Why are the Major League Baseball players having such a problem with this? This was the big issue last time, too. The players and the owners seem to have different priorities all throughout this negotiation process. This has been since before this last COVID season started. We've been dealing with this nonsense between the players' union and the owners. They can never seem to get together on anything. Everything always seems to be a problem. They can never agree. Now, now we've actually seen the roles reverse, where uh, the owners were, st- were not giving a crap about COVID-19 last time around, and the players were concerned about themselves. And, uh, you know, why, 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 I'm risking my life to go out there with the virus. Blake Snell said it. Now it's the complete reverse situation where players are saying, we want to start on time. We want to go to spring training. We want everything to be like normal. And the league is saying, hey, guys, uh, look, this vaccine's coming out. Uh, we want all you guys to be vaccinated before we start. Talk about being a hypocrite. Yeah. Talk about being a hypocrite. I can't believe I'm actually on the side of billionaire owners. But this time, I am. Get vaccinated. What I'd like to know, you know the owners paid, are talking about all this. You know, it's funny. The owners are talking about all of this and, and that players. Who's Rob Manfred? Who's the commissioner when all this is going on? You know, I don't know. You know, doesn't that disturb you a little bit? Doesn't that he's in that of- same bunker he's been this whole time, coming up with failed ideas time after time. Rob Manfred is the worst executive in sports. He just is. I mean, the fact that he can't get the owners and the players to agree on everything, the fact that all of this has to come out into the media every time there's an offseason since uh, – Rob Manfred has just not been – the leader that baseball needs. But you know what? The owners keep him there. You know why? Because he makes them the money. Well, let me tell you this now. Owners, hold your players accountable. Do not let the players dictate where the game yeah. is going. They need no, to let me just say this. They need to get vaccinated, period. Yeah. They need to be vaccinated. Like, they need to be vaccinated. That's it. There's no other way around it. And the only thing I – the only question I have to ask the owners is this, though. If you want all your players vaccinated before the start of the season, where are they getting those vaccines from? Because if you're going to general population to get vaccine, oh, if you're going to okay, your general doctors and saying, oh, because I'm, uh, my name is DJ LeMayu, I'm a New York Yankee, I want the vaccination before these people. No, 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 no. You wait your turn before the rest of your citizens get vaccinated. Or you as an organization pony up the damn money and buy your own doses from Pfizer or Mordona yourself, literally call them and say, hi, I'm Rob Manfred from Major League Baseball. I would like, however, however many people that play baseball are on Major League rosters, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like like 2,000 copy vaccines, doses, please, for my players. Um, oh, you could have that shipped to me by February? Great, click. Done. Done. Yeah, that would be the simple. In a normal world, that's what you should do. You think ahead of these things, right? No, no. But in Rob Manford's crazy world and in baseball's crazy world, what we have is a situation where they have to go into the media and yell at each other about what they want because they can't actually talk. I don't know. Can you imagine, like, like next year the NFL is going to have this same question to ask themselves next year. Then you kind of have to ask, who's the commissioner that really cares about his job, Manford or Goodell? Well, Goodell cares about his job. Um, Goodell has done a much better job than Manfred. I can't believe I'm saying Goodell did a better job than anybody. But Rob Manfred has come up and taken the mantle of the worst commissioner. I can't believe I got that out of you. Oh my! I know. Yeah, finally, right? Uh, all right. Well, I'll end it on this note. Where baseball is going now, we're going to find out very soon. We're going to find out maybe in the next couple of – maybe in the next three weeks, perhaps. In the next three weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks, we're going to know where are the free agents going? Who's going to be in the playoffs? Are we going to have Who's a full not? season? Are we going to have even a full season this year, coming year? Will players agree to get vaccinated? We'll all find out as we journey through this world of sports and this holiday season in these last three weeks of the 2020 sports and real year. 
And that will wrap up this edition of Downtown Sports. I want to thank Chris DeLarge and Tony Mainville for our four-piece and top ten. You can listen to Downtown Sports every single Tuesday or Wednesday, Rants live episodes every single week. We are on 12 different platforms, Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Fullhorn, Listen Notes, and Podbay. We will be back next week, possibly special guests to join us for more deeper into the baseball minds and where we're heading in the NBA and for baseball next week. But until then, I just want to tell everybody, have a good day. Have a good holiday week. Happy Hanukkah for those of you guys who are still celebrating. And for Beast, it's Mouth saying, be out. Be safe in the snow, guys. Have a good one.